Well, we have had a family member with a pretty, pretty serious health concern. Um, how serious? Well, one that we will never spend any time on the movie talking about it or even introducing that character. We are watching Uncle Buck. everybody and welcome back to your new favorite show the more you nerd my name is drew and we are celebrating a very candy christmas where we are talking about john candy films of uh, the late great john candy and this week we are covering the 1989 film uncle buck Last week, we had a, a John Hughes uh, written film, and this week we have a John Hughes written and directed film. <laughs> I w- I, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, so Ryan Reynolds and the Candy Estate are doing a documentary about the actor's life. And I know there have been some sort of feature. Who are you? Oh, it's my good buddy, Miles. Miles, we have to treat every episode like it's a new episode. Oh, boy. Anyway, so um, the uh, Candy Estate and Ryan Reynolds are doing a documentary on the late actor's life of full length. And what I'm really hopeful that there is is some archival interviews with John Hughes, because John Hughes clearly loved working with Candy. Oh, John Candy or John Hughes. The Johns, as I'm going to call them, loved working with each other. And I mean, we are in 1989 right now. We're just a couple of years from Home Alone, where John Candy basically just served as a he was in two scenes in that film just to. to I think they had him for like a day and like ends up being such an iconic like people think about John Candy in that movie, even though he's only in that movie for like 120 seconds. (laughs) Polka, polka, polka. (laughs) polka polka (laughs) um yeah i mean it's a very memorable part i mean john candy he has a presence about him no matter what movie he's in no matter what kind of role he's playing whether it's something a little uh so more he did a lot of supporting stuff and it was known for like anytime he was a supporting role in something it stuck out yeah. Uh, for me, I, I'm thinking of uh, Nothing to Lose with Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd and Demi Moore. And he plays the daughter of Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> I mean, it, it, some of his most iconic roles are in supporting Her things like uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, where he was the, mm-hmm. the security he's the, he's guard the at Wally yeah. World. Yeah, I mean, th- he he does so much. And like I said, there there is there is something about John Candy because. What's interesting about uh, the movie we're talking about tonight is it is about this kind of buffoon character. And even from the commercials and from the way this movie is celebrated, um, because, I mean, this this movie came up in the last season of the Goldbergs and was a a standout because it was an episode about their uncle um, who was like an Uncle Buck. You expect this to be a little more raucous, like if if this movie had come out today and I'm not talking about the. The, the the tv show attempts but if if they were doing this it would be someone like uh 
I mean, in the 90s, it would have been an Adam Sandler or a Will Ferrell or a Kevin Hart, that kind of character being raucous and loud and over the top. And what's interesting, and again, this was this was the same thing in the last week's movie. What's interesting is how grounded a lot of the stuff in this film is, even though it gets really more surreal and ridiculous than the last film. Yes. And that's that's a huge thing that I think, it, you know, I don't. If they made Uncle Buck today, if they remade it, and again, I'm not talking about any of the TV revivals, including the one that took place in like 2019, <laughs> uh, 2016, I can't remember the, the when that was, um, is that you have Buck and everything that we learn about Buck is that he is uh, uh, kind of a lackadaisical, doesn't want to work, kind of goes around just wanting to be this, this, you know, dude who doesn't have any any ties to anything. He doesn't want to get married to his girlfriend and blah, 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 blah. He drinks, he smokes and da, 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 da. You would Boy, does he smoke. Boy, does he smoke. <laughs> but you would expect that to interact with his, with, with, with the rest of the plot a little more, but I feel like they kind of balanced a line where it was just enough. So He's not, it's weird because you, you expect him to be kind of like that Adam Sandler type where you're like, OK, he's obnoxious. And like, I like him because he's the main character. But like, I know we'll come around eventually. But honestly, Buck is kind of a stand up guy this entire movie. Yes. And that is that's really, really strange. So if you've never seen the movie, one, go and see it. It's on uh, Paramount Plus right now. Um Buck is so the 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 Bob and Cindy Russell are the the parents of the film and they have three kids, uh, 15 year old Tia, eight year old mile miles, <laughs> miles and miles are going to be very confusing to me tonight and six year old Maisie. And uh, in the middle of the night, uh, they get a phone call that Cindy, the mom's father, has had a heart attack. Uh, and so they need to leave town to go to Indianapolis for some amount of time that is indetermined <laughs> uh, and they need uh, they need somebody to watch their kids. And the person they decide upon because no one else is available is Bob's brother, Buck, who is played by John Candy and is just kind of. I mean, even when he's with his girlfriend in the first scene, he's not a bad guy. He seems he doesn't seem like a dirtbag as everybody seems to think he is. Oh, no, he's just a lapsedaisical dude who just kind of wants to coast through life. That doesn't make him bad. Yeah. Um, but but the big difference, though, is that. And, and again, this is just what you're saying. We expect Buck to act in a particular way, maybe not taking what he's doing seriously or anything like that. But no, the first thing we see Buck do in, in the house outside of breaking a plate <laughs> is making a huge breakfast for the kids. And they don't really like it because <laughs> it's got onions in it and things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, also, it looks like he just threw a bunch of crap in a pan. <laughs> Like, Krista watched this with me and she's like, is that trash? <laughs> well, like, that's, that's, so. <laughs> that's even what uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin's character, Miles, says is like, he cooked our trash is what he says in the film, uh, which is uh, which is pretty funny. Um, 
And let's let's talk about the kids, because I, I feel like this is important. And I'm going to focus in this right now on eight year old Miles and six year old Maisie. Uh, Miles uh, is played by Macaulay Culkin and not his first role, but one of his earliest film roles. This is a couple of years before Home Alone. Home Alone. And and I would say probably his first larger role. Sure. And probably the role that got him Home Alone, if we can be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can clearly tell there is something about this kid. I mean, he is quick. I mean, all the kids in this movie are are, are good. Like, I mean, the little girl is really cute, but but Macaulay Culkin has a sharpness to him that makes him present. And the fact that this eight year old kid is going toe to toe with a comedic legend and it looks like an effortless scene. I mean. That's all you needed to know about. Oh, of course, this kid was going to be huge. Yeah, for sure. But I have to say, uh, uh, Maisie uh, is played by an actress named Gabby Hoffman. And I spent the entire time watching this film, trying to figure out where I recognize this kid from. And after the movie was over, I looked her up and, oh, she's in Transparent. She's in Girls. She's in <laughs> she's in the uh, 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 the the la lakers movie or la lakers series winning time on hbo that just aired last year this is an actress who has been working forever <laughs> yeah no i mean a lot of this cast i mean just is is phenomenal and i mean minor role but someone who i think does not get enough credit for being one of the best comedians of television laurie metcalf laurie Laurie metcalf go ahead i was gonna say laurie metcalf so funny uh the the thing she's probably known as being roseanne's sister on roseanne and then the roseanne and then the connors um and she is literally one of the funniest women on television like i actively still watch the connors and part of it is because laurie metcalf is an absolute legend on the small screen. I mean, and she's she's I mean, even after the first run of Roseanne ended, she popped up on all sorts of shows. I mean, she had a recurring role on Big Bang Theory as Sheldon's mom, and she was on Supergirl. Like she she continued to act. I mean, she's in Scream 2. I mean, one of my favorite actresses because the range on her I mean, can do a scene that literally will have you in tears and then laughing your your butt off the next. I I think she is such an incredible talent. And it's so it for me, it was just kind of a, a treat to see her in what's essentially almost a cameo role as um, the neighbor, Marcy. <laughs> yeah, which she's only in two scenes, one and a half scenes, really. Uh, Laurie Metcalf, by the way, if you've never seen Lady Bird on uh, 2017's uh, Lady Bird uh, starring uh Sersha Ronan, uh, which was a movie that's near and dear to my heart because it is basically about someone graduating high school in the year 2002, which is when I graduated high school. <laughs> uh, uh, Laurie Metcalf plays uh, Lady Bird's mom in that movie and uh, just does a fantastic. Yeah, just she's does, just a, a she's, tremendous she's, actress. Yes. Fantastic. Anyway, um, this is not the first time we're going to get a super tangential about a character, uh, like a, a weird guest character in this movie. <laughs> no, I mean, but, but like, that's what I love about these is like seeing 
people whom I love and respect just pop up in these 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 small little things and and kill it for the 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 little time they've got. So to get back to the plot, we've talked about Miles and Maisie. We've talked about Buck. We've talked about the parents who are kind of there and then are gone. We really need to talk about Tia, the older daughter of the family, the 15 year old who is trying to find her own way in life. She has been shown to to be, you know, at at odds with her mom uh, prior to the mom and dad going to to. Uh, back to Indianapolis for for the grandfather's heart attack, and you know, just uh, uh so Jean Louisa Kelly plays plays Tia. I I don't have a like she's also been a, just a tremendously working actress since then. I I don't have a ton of familiarity with with her work. Um, so I I, I remember her from Yes, Dear, uh, which is a sitcom that ran uh in the early two thousands. And that's, I think, what I mostly. Oh, yeah, she's in Top Gun Maverick. She is in um, Top Gun Maverick as uh, Sarah Kazansky, who is the wife of Iceman. Um, but I haven't seen that movie yet, so I can't really speak I've, to that. I've seen it. I've seen uh, her in Malignant. I mean, like, she's she's good. Like, I, I have I have comments about the character of Tia, and it's not indicative of how I feel of Jean Louisa Kelly, because I think she does a great job in this movie. And I think she's a great actress. Um, I. I. The one kind of smudge mark for me in this movie is the depiction and writing of Tia. It's because it's very distracting how. Antagonistic of a teenager they make her. And, and and that's interesting to say when you have John Hughes writing this movie and directing this movie, John Hughes, who is known for writing like the the teen movies of the 1980s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you have Tia, who the we, we never get fully grounded in what is going on with her. And part of that, I think, is is a, a problem with the script itself in that we kind of hear that there was some event that caused the parents to move the family from Indianapolis to outside of Chicago, but we don't know what that is. We are never told what that is. Is that even a thing? Is it just that the parents got better jobs? I I can't, I honestly, that was my assumption. I honestly can't tell because when the, when the dad has the, or when the grandfather has the heart attack. And again, we never even see the grandfather on screen. We don't see any of the stuff with the parents happening on screen. Uh, when the grandfather has the heart attack in the middle of the night, the the mom and the dad have this conversation about how the incident that incident is not why we moved down here and da 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 da. It's like what incident is there a deleted scene that explains what is the, some subtext here? It doesn't. It, that's the kind of the one real negative mark I have is that it that seemed like it, there was something more to it, but it also doesn't really matter for the point of the movie. Um. Anyway, but but yeah, so Tia is is very a very negative teenage, like as you would assume a teenager to be written that is antagonistic to their parents. She does not want anything to do with anything other than what she wants to do. Um, And 
people keep interact interfering with her life and messing up her life and the things she's trying to do, but she's also 15. So how much can you really buy into that? And she's got this boyfriend named bug that, um, uh, Jay Underwood <laughs> played, played by Jay Underwood, who you've seen in stuff. Um, and you've also, he might also be most famous for something that never got released. He was the human torch in the Roger Corman, fantastic four movie. Yes, um, he, he was, and which I have seen, but to me, he was famous because back in the day, the Disney Channel played a handful of movies that he starred in the Not Quite Human series, where he plays a humanoid android named Chip. Okay, that wasn't a show, no, it was a series of TV movies. Because I know I've seen The Boy Who Could Fly at some point. Not quite human. Um, I did see The Boy, and then The Invisible Kid I definitely saw, um, which is more of a uh, kind of a low-budget, not-quite-sex comedy um, and that he stars in. But I, I remember him from those so that like he forever lives in my head as like this minor character of the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's he's great. He's so he's he is appropriately over the top as bug because he takes Uncle Buck's threats very seriously. And that's what makes them work so well. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, to get back to the story, bug is maybe wanting to move a little too fast with our Tia. And he also uh, might be a little too old for Tia. It's tough to say because he is in high school, but is he, I thought he was a college kid who was creeping on a high school. I, we, I never I, see him in class. You never see him in class, but you never see her in class. That's true. Well, they're always hanging outside, outside the hot high school. So <laughs> and, I don't know that he is an actual student there another thing about the teens in this movie is that they all have the exact same style there's no variation in any of the styles oh, of the kids yeah, they in this are movie. always the they're all like that kind of uh cafe poet beat late 80s thing um that super pretentious people did like she wears a beret almost exclusively <laughs> um and and those circle sunglasses yes which kills me <laughs> it's so um, so funny and like one of their parties is little like it looks like it's in like the, the like rec center or the uh, uh, a welcome center area of a park like they're basically it, just on some picnic tables yeah, one of their parties is 100 at the covered like place where there's like a barbecue pit just outside right, exactly. <laughs> uh, to, that you could that you could use to grill some stuff. It's it's a place where you've definitely if you're if you are a parent of young kids, you've had a birthday party at one of these places <laughs> in the daytime. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, I mean, the cool thing is this orbit of characters basically revolves around, you know, Buck coming to town and having to take care of these kids. And Part of the comedy is that he is clearly inept in doing so because he's trying to wash clothes, but the washing machine hates him. So he puts the clothes either in the microwave or on top of a ceiling fan. Uh, just and nuke like, him for a second. Get some real hot. Yeah, 
there's there's some some good gags in him trying to take care of the kids. But the cool thing about Buck that I think separates Buck from almost any kind of movie like this is this is a guy who is not just some jerk who has to come around. This is not bad Santa. This guy generally wants to do a good job. He wants to be included in the family and he wants to take care of his um, his nieces and nephew. When his brother calls him to to ask him to do this and he says that he's honored, you do get the idea that he is actually honored that he is being asked to do this. He has not seen his nieces and nephews for a long time. He presumes that Tia is not, must be nine by now. Or must <laughs> right. be eight I don't by think now. he's ever seen Miles because Miles doesn't know who he is. Well, Miles and Macy's younger than Miles. So he definitely, and, and he doesn't know their names at first. <laughs> yeah. He, said, he calls them what Larry and something, <laughs> and something else. I forget. Uh, which Tia, of course, not liking Buck very much, uh, definitely gives him a hard time about. But uh, so. Yeah, and I mean, I, the comedic beats of this movie are are really cool because there's, you know, the constant Buck being silly as a homemaker. But then you have these great moments where, like, he really tries to go to bat for these kids. Yeah, and like th- there there is a there is a scene and because because the, the thing we also are told is that uh, the mom has a number of things set up on the calendar for the kids that Buck now has to go and take care of. One of which is a parent teacher conference with Maisie's vice principal. (laughs) One of my favorite scenes in the entire movie where, where, you know, her vice principal just goes off on him about how she, she's us. What is she say? Silly head. What is the word she uses? She has a silly heart. She's a dreamer. Um, and, kind of riffs off that but i think the term she used was silly heart yeah and and buck just says well i don't want to know a kid that isn't a silly heart i don't want to know a kid that isn't a dreamer she's six years old and all this stuff and just kind of and this is after a few days of of the because the younger kids miles and Maisie, have bonded to buck really quickly um, yeah and, and um, i love that miles calls him ub <laughs> the, and they all start calling him ub which is great i love it i think that's fantastic um but uh, because even Tia calls him UB before she she warms up to him, too. But. uh, And just uh, Buck kind of going after this vice principal and talking. Oh, it's it, it's wonderful. It's a, it's a it's a wonderful, beautiful scene um, that is undercut <laughs> with him walking through a school smoking <laughs> a cigar. <laughs> and then, and then, and the funniest thing about that to me is that he seems to realize that he's smoking a cigar, but no, it's not that he realizes that he's got to go to the bathroom, and he walks into the child's bathroom because I don't know. Again, I'm a parent of younger children. I've been in an elementary school bathroom recently. It's not the same situation as an adult sized bathroom. <laughs> no, I, I have worked at an, uh, an elementary school and yeah, going to the bathroom that, that in them places sucks <laughs> as an adult. But yeah, so that's that's another fantastic scene in this film. Um, I also love that when he threatens the vice principal, you get like there is a little serious tenor in his voice. And it's like, you know what? He might burn her house down. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And we get the idea that Buck is not someone to be trifled with, but we, you know, we never, we only really see that in kind of a joking tone. And that right. really, that really comes down to, to Tia and Bug. And, uh, oh, this is, it's, it's one of those things again, like we talked about last week, that there's just some truly funny stuff that happens in these things that I don't necessarily want to talk about because they're just right. too funny. But, uh, Tia has, has, uh, you know, we we all oh, before we get to that, we should also probably talk about Buck's girlfriend, Shanice, the tire store owner that he is kind of on the outs with, because at the very beginning of the movie, he promises that he's going to come to work tomorrow. And of course, <laughs> he, he doesn't go to work because he's got to go take care of his brother's kids for however long. And uh, well, and, and, you know, he has he because Buck has had a lot of introspection because you know, Shanice wants to get married and start a family and all these things. And Buck doesn't necessarily want to do that. And then as over the course of, 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 you know, what t- turns out to be like a week, it seems like longer than that, but it's only a week. Um, you see him really getting involved and, in, you know, taking care of the kids and really bonding with them and, and doing these sort of things. And, and he just, he kind of calls her and leaves a, 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 a voice on or a message on her answering machine about, you know, how he was thinking about her and, you know, how he, you know, uh, this and that. And, you know, so she calls back and Tia picks up the phone. Oh, Tia. You made a mistake. And Tia talks about how, you know, Buck has been hanging out with with Marcy, the lady from across the street. That's Marcy Dahlgren Frost, maiden name Dahlgren. She's single now, but she kept the frost and people are really complimentary of her hyphen. Hyphen. Yeah, I'm just a, and what's funny is like if you don't know Laurie Metcalf is in this movie, you could easily miss it for a good chunk of it. But there's a this her second scene when she gets to be a little more overt in her comedic tone. It's it's very obvious who it is. But um, I mean, she's so young in in this. I had and, honestly I didn't recognize her watching this movie, and she was on Roseanne at this time. But it's not that she, that I didn't. You know, she's just she's she's made up completely differently though. Yeah, uh, than than she is as uh as Jackie. But uh, when when she went after all of this stuff, where she's trying to to get with Buck and dance with him and all this stuff, and and he kicks her out. She just one of the best lines in the movie. Well, I'm going to wait for the Federal Express, man. <laughs> it's, like, it's so good. <laughs> it's really, really funny, gang. It's really funny. <laughs> she's, so, she's so funny. Like, seriously, you should watch the Connor. She's she's so good. Like, when I, she's <laughs> when she's trying to dance with Buck, it is some of the best physical comedy that I've seen in a long time. I'm talking a long time, baby. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I think she's, I know she didn't win the Oscar. So I was like, she, she's on her way to an EGOX. I know she's got an, uh, several Emmys. She's got a Tony. She was nominated for an Oscar, but no, no Grammy, she, but like she, she she's she, accomplished. Was she nominated for Lady Bird? I bet she, she was. was nominated, but she didn't win. Who beat her? I know Lady Bird didn't win a lot that year, but, uh, that was nominated for a lot. Um, uh, in 2017, Alice and Janie for I, Tanya. Ah, that's, 
Justin Janney did a real good night, Tanya. Mm. Yeah, I mean, she's a great actress. I mean, that's that's the tough thing sometimes about that category is like the uh, the best actress category sometimes to me is the hardest to pick because, I mean, you've got some really phenomenal performances almost every single year. And I mean, this one that that year was was no different. Um, so I, it, it's not shocking to me that she didn't win, even though I would have loved for her to. Um, just because I'm a massive fan, but yeah, Allison Janney is, Allison, is Allison tremendous. Janney did, did tremendous in Itania. Go watch Itania, by the way. What a fantastic! Like, uh, I'm a big Margot Robbie fan, uh, and that Damn. just solidifies that she's more than Harley Quinn. Um, if all you know of her is Harley Quinn, just go watch some of her other stuff. She's just or watch Barbie next year. I forget that's coming out, man. Uh, the anyway. movie's gonna be a ride. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Uncle Buck. Um, we, we we should probably start making our way to the end game of this movie because it's just, it's just it's the again the other thing about this film that I don't really get is how Buck knows where everything in the suburbs are. <laughs> where yeah, just, but well he he says at some point that he knows his way around the city because they're they're in the suburbs of Chicago so they're not too far from him. I think then, they said he's like an hour out. Even if if that honestly like it, it and one of the one when we meet buck for the first time or after when, when we get well not for the first time when we get the phone call he does the clapper clap clap and turns on <laughs> wrigley field entire- <laughs> turns on the entire street it's so, it's, so it's, good. it's so wild um but uh it's a great quiet gag because like you see it and you see the you know the car alarms and stuff but like it, they they don't they don't linger so you you blink and you miss it right but uh but but so to to fast forward to the end of the film buck has been warning tia about bug and the kind of person he is for the entire movie and again this is a very late 80s you know kind of interpretation of this kind of story where bug seems to be after one thing um and and when when he when Buck realizes that he can either go to his uh, fixed horse race so he can win money or he can go and try to rescue Tia, he struggles with it for a second and then decides to go and find where Tia is and bring her home. And <laughs> that takes him to a party in like one of the out on the outside looks like a very nice neighborhood in the suburbs of Chicago. But on the inside of that house looks like a smoky mess. <laughs> um, Which, and, I mean, that tracks. And, and and of course, finds Bug in bed with someone else. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, and and of course this is where we finally have bug and tia communicating and talking to each other and in some of the way and, and this is where i think john hughes understanding and i'm gonna say he understands teenagers because i've been a teenager and, and i've been an adult and i've watched the movies where he has written for teenagers and you know some of the things that, that buck does here where when he finds tia crying walking home in the dark and and gets her into the car he says we don't have to talk about it i just want to get you home and it's these very supportive things that that you know he says to her that sort of finally like he's not like unlike 
unlike earlier in the film where she has been antagonistic to him and he has been antagonistic back and they've they've kind of had a playful back and forth this is a moment where there's real emotion happening and he he does not do anything to discredit that emotion he does not mm-hmm. make her feel bad for what she has been through and that's a very powerful important thing and in fact helps her <laughs> get revenge and in fact helps her get revenge in a way that i don't even want to talk about because it's it's wild it's so funny wild um but 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 that that's that that is a really important thing to 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 see that he doesn't judge her you know he's 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 you know from you know he's been judgmental of bug the entire time but he's never really been judgmental of her. And I think it is, it's in that moment that, that she realizes that and that, and she kind of warms up to him and to the point where the parents come home, she's, she's just as, as emotional about him leaving as everybody else is. And now that they've, they've been in the house and, and that's, well, and she also gets to kind of come to terms with her parents because they had been on the outs before they left. And Honestly, that's what makes her character the weakest link in the movie writing wise is because if you had written her as this three dimensional character the entire film and not just made her this antagonistic foil that Buck has to overcome through two thirds of the movie. I think I could have more emotionally invest in her journey because I think you're right. The stuff from one point forward is phenomenal and and that it makes me works. wonder if there was stuff that was cut out of this film that we just don't see if knowing there- john hughes most likely uh if if what steve martin says is true and planes trains it li- literally had a four-hour script to begin with <laughs> um i i i that man was known to have overwritten his his initial script so that that could be there but what was what was given to us unfortunately and this is through no fault of the actress she is she does what she's called to do and when she's called to do more than be a one-dimensional antagonist to buck it's fantastic and i wish that character had just been a little more three-dimensional throughout the film i think it would have made the a little bit more better conflict to me there was history between tia and the mom specifically and and the result of them moving from indianapolis to the suburbs of chicago that we don't find out and that 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 is an interesting thing it it feels like she got her life uprooted but we don't see or hear that happening or the reaction to it we just kind of have to infer that that's what happened and and that's maybe the weakest part of this film uh but outside of that i you know, I, I watched this movie for the first time. This movie was released in 1989. Uh, you know, I remember seeing commercials and when and renting a movie and seeing the the sort of pre-roll VHS tape, you know, trailers that you would fast forward through to get to the movie that you wanted to watch, like uh, John Candy and Uncle Buck, like that sort of stuff. Uh, I really, really like this movie. I liked it way more than I expected to. Um, it, it was it was heartwarming. It was fun. It had some genuinely really good laughs. It This is a PG movie in a time when PG-13 did exist. But there are some there are some adult oriented jokes that are very funny. 
Um, including- well, it's it's important to stress that in the 80s, PG-13 was supposed to be really the step below R. And so PG-13s feel more like some R-rated movies now. Yeah. Then because PG, PG, I think. Was honestly more like they were pushing parental guidance, so that was basically pretty much anything goes as long as it's not too crazy. I mean, Indiana Jones, the first one was PG. Um, I think that, uh, you know. It's interesting to put that because I think now a PG movie is the equivalent of what would have been a G rated movie back then. Yeah, I think things have definitely changed with that. I will say Titanic was PG-13. Fifth Element was PG-13. Those movies mm-hmm. I don't believe would be PG-13 if they were released today. Yeah, for, they'd be PG. For no, for two scenes in particular. Uh no, Brief Nudity still I think gets a pass. I don't know. I haven't seen that anytime recently, but you know, I don't really go looking for it, so whatever. Um Miles, I have a list for it. I'm kidding. We're <laughs> <laughs> coming in January. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, My new podcast. <laughs> uh, Miles, final thoughts on Uncle Buck. I think Uncle Buck, it's weird to call it. I don't want to say it's an unsung classic because this is a movie that meant a lot to a lot of people when it came out. But it it seems to like while Candy is celebrated, Uncle Buck does not get talked about a lot as a comedy classic. And I mean, I, I get why, because sometimes it doesn't hit all the marks as a comedy classic. But I think if you want a great example on how to do a movie like this, where you can kind of push the boundaries, but still stay in a specific range where you can still make it a family movie, but have a little bit of bite to it. This is one of the best examples I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. This this is John Candy being his most charismatic. He is as funny as John Candy can be. He is as aggressive as John Candy can seem in certain scenes. He is as just absolutely funny and charming. He is he's so good in this. And I honestly, I would have loved to have seen a sequel to this. And uh, you know, obviously that didn't happen for one reason in particular, but uh, I, I I really, really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, I mean, I think Kenny has a lot of wonderful performances. There's there's some that I, I wish we had time to visit because um, I think that they he makes some really interesting choices. But I mean, if we're doing something that because the weird thing about doing this this month, I was like, oh, well, that's too big of a movie. And then I, I think about it, I'm like, yeah, really, the only two movies that people really talk about a lot are Planes, Trains and Automobiles and The Great Outdoors. And even The Great Outdoors doesn't get talked about as much these days. But I mean, obviously, Planes, Trains is a, a holiday tradition for a lot of people. But I, I want to bring more focus to John Candy because I think that he was such a unique voice and had such a very specific charismatic pre- uh, presence that I think even among the greats, even among his peers, I don't know many of them that could match him in that. I mean, this is a guy who literally would light up a screen 
by being there. Yeah. He wouldn't even have to say a word. Yeah. He just has to smile. Mm-hmm. And, and that is where we are going to take our journey next week. This is a short month for us for doing this because it's, it's the Christmas season and time, you know, all, all of this stuff in the end of the year. And we were debating what to do because quite frankly, a lot of John Candy starring movies are not available to stream easily, which is quite frankly, a crime, uh, or at least should be treated as such. But what is available to stream on an official YouTube channel is sketches from the Canadian television series SCTV, Second City Television. And that's what we're going to cover next week. Here's the deal, gang. It doesn't matter what you watch. Watch as much as you can. Watch any of them that you can. They've got the sketches broken down there just to absolute just to watch they're not set up in the episode style you can just watch whatever you want and that's what we're going to do and we're going to talk about what we've seen and miles and i are going to talk about some things to like oh watch this oh watch this uh but we're not going to hold that to anybody uh just because we just want to watch some of of candy being the most diverse positions that they can and alongside just some of the other yeah, Catherine O'Hara is one of the stars of this show. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who we who has gone on to be an excellent comedian. I mean, I, I she's wonderful. She's one. She's wonderful. Uh, home, uh, Mom and Home Alone. You know, the two of them sharing screen time Shit's together. Creek. Uh, Shit's Creek is just fantastic. I mean, there. Uh, Eugene Levy again, uh, also Shit's Creek, uh, another SCTV alum, uh, and and we're gonna go back and watch just as much as that as we can, and that's I'm just I can't wait because I haven't seen a lot of these sketches for decades, uh, and yeah. I'm just really excited to see them and and get the jokes that I didn't get as a kid. Um, <laughs> so that's that is gonna be fun. That is gonna be next week on the More You Nerd. Um, in the meantime, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreyounerd.com. You can tweet to us at themoreyounerd. You can do it, go to facebook.com slash themoreyounerd. And of course, uh, that all that stuff that I just said. And of course, I don't know why I said that. It's late. Um, but and now we are going to end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd out. out.